One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, and occasionally news. Today's episode is called, Will the Class Please Pay Attention? I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by... Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time, oodalati, oodalati, golly, what a day. It's Matt, too! Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? HD camera. Love it. Nothing but the best for this Spanners show. No, I'm doing all right, you know, given the total lack of sleep that I've gotten over the past two days. Your comment to me when I said, are you going to go and get a drink was, man, it's not even been 12 hours since I stopped drinking. So did you stay up, you watched the Formula One, presumably, and then the Formula E straight afterwards? Yeah, I, I I did the double header, and if I if I'd had the stones or been a little bit younger, I, I'd, I'd have gone for Bathurst after that. So what time did you get to bed U.S. time then after all that racing? About 5.30 a.m. <laughs> Fantastic. I'd have been tempted to go the other way these days. I probably would have just gone to bed at 7 the night before to wake up at whatever, 1 in the morning. Yes, that's because you've been thoroughly domesticated, unlike me. I have. I do it with the seat down and everything. Hey, Matt, uh, I don't know how long I can slum it in the podcasting shed. You see, uh, I had a little look of career change on Saturday. Uh, did you now? I, I heard you went on a little uh, road trip with Ryan there. Yeah, I did. I was a last-minute substitute for Jake Sanson of Downforce Radio. He was supposed to be doing the commentary at Castle Coombe Finals Day. Unfortunately, he had a big croquet tournament. He is big into croquet. He had double booked. Uh, so I stepped in at the last minute, and it was it was a fascinating experience. I tell you what, those commentators earn their money. 
Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine all those brightly colored things that look exactly alike from a distance. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it would be a nightmare. It was, it was amazing because Ryan, yes, he knows uh, a lot about that series. And you think everyone listening to that commentary is, is people who's really involved in the club racing scene. So everyone involved in that, listening, watching or whatever, I was the person who knew least about all those championships. And I'm, I'm trying to do my best holding a piece of paper in front of my face, trying to pick out the very small writing with the driver's names on the side or, or going for the number. Go, yeah, that's the number 32 car of, oh my God, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, that, that's that, that's that's got to be one of my all time favorites. But hey, you never let you never let lack of experience stop you before. So why now? Absolutely true. We're winging it, aren't we? But um, yeah, no, it was really great though to see to see such close racing, and I think it makes a big difference because a lot of those guys are owner drivers, and I think they might just be that little bit more polite, knowing that any crash is going to keep them like in the garage for hours and cost a fortune. Do you remember when Sauber could only afford one extra chassis and miraculously they didn't crash until they had more chassis available to them? Oh, dear. Anyway, so I hope everyone was mildly satisfied with my performance. It took me one race to re I was getting so frustrated that I couldn't be like the TV men with the wealth of information and all the track knowledge because we couldn't see the opposite side of the track. I wasn't an expert in any of those series, but as soon as I relaxed and just went, okay, I'm not going to be like Crofty on my first day. Uh, it was really good fun. And yeah, I think I can see how people get, get hooked onto that as some of our, our guests might know today. So for those of you just finding us, we are an independent F1 podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, the home of F1 articles. And very shortly, Formula E stuff too. We aim to bring you race reviews before your Monday morning commute. We're getting better at that. We might be wrong. But we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. Joining us today, we've got quite a full panel, starting off with Chris Stevens from FormulaSpy.com. Yeah, mate, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm all right. That doesn't sound enthusiastic. That do- Sorry, I was Snapchatting. <laughs> That's showing a lack of respect for the podcast, a lack of respect for the live stream, a lack of respect for the whole podcasting community. How dare you? Uh, and I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by it. I'm sorry. Sure you didn't. Sure you didn't. And now here are two people called Alex. One is Downforce Radio's uh, tin top guru. It's Alex Goldschmidt. Good evening, Spanners. Good evening, everyone watching the live stream tonight. Right. Well, unfortunately, we have got two Alexes, so we are going to have to go with, I don't know, let's go for Goldie. Yep. Love uh, it. Childhood nickname of mine. But yeah, glad to hear you enjoyed yourself on the comms, mate, because I know from experience that you, you're better off just being yourself and having a laugh. And I'm glad you did, mate. Good work. Well, eventually I realized that that was literally my only option as I, as I had no substance to speak of. Well, uh, you gave it a good go, mate. And uh, at least you enjoyed it. That is the main thing. The true test will be to see if I'm ever invited to do it again. And the, the next person we have on is Alex Van Jean. Alex Van Jean from Corporate Chauffeurs Karting Endurance Team. You're a fast, fast man. I hope you can slow down the chat for us to understand today, Alex. I'll try and do my best, but I'm glad that I'm the Alex, not with a weird nickname, because there's plenty of weird nicknames to go with my surname, so I'm glad Goldie got the nickname, not me. Are you Are you scared that maybe he got the cool nickname because we like him better? No, not at all. Mm, now you're kind of Now you're kind of thinking that, aren't you? <laughs> Okay, look, before Alex has a chance to feel bad about that, let's go on to some pre-race tidbits.
Okay, you can join the live stream by going to spannersready.com, clicking the live stream tab from the menu, or you can go to ustream.com, that's a capital U, stream, and search Spanners Ready, all one word in there, and join the chat room live. Matt, we've had Watergate, we've had many great scandals in the media and on the world stage, but has there been anything as savage as Snapchat Gate? What? Sorry, I was checking my phone. And by the way, I want fox ears, not bunny ears. <laughs> yeah, you, you like the foxes yeah. with little dots better than the bunny ears and the carrots? Yeah, so let's lay this out. Basically, there was a writer's press conference. Lewis Hamilton got very, very bored. He basically was messing about with his phone, uh, to which certain members of the written press deemed to be excessive. And people came out calling him disrespectful, calling him unprofessional. Lewis Hamilton then responded by kind of going, hey, man, it's all cool. It's all chill. He was trying to make out, no, it's no biggie. But then he totally refused to answer every everyone's questions uh, at the next press conference, suggesting rather that it wasn't all chill and that he was annoyed with the response. We know that these journalists, they, they need Lewis Hamilton's cooperation to write their stories and to get press out. And that kind of proves a point. They they kind of need him. I mean, if Lewis left F1 tomorrow, there would be less clicks on F1 stories. And, and that's objectively true. Less clicks means less ad money all round. So the, these journalists, to me, it just feels like maybe they should realise that they they also need Lewis Hamilton. But Lewis Hamilton's coming into this. He's at the the height of his powers. He's at the height of his influence. He obviously doesn't feel like he has to conform to the way things have always been done. So the media might find that they start doing things the Lewis Hamilton way, especially if he continues his threat of of not talking to them. So I really feel like the press have overreacted to this. I feel like they might have overplayed their hand. But on the other side, Lewis, put your phone down, mate. You're at work. (laughs) So, And if you really did have a problem with how the written press was going about things, perhaps... He could have found a better way to say it, but I can't believe that it it went that big. Well, it went that big because, of course, it's Lewis Hamilton. And as we all know, Hamilton is box office. He's money. If you put his name in a headline, and especially if you're critical, you're going to get a lot of people looking at it. But that said, you know, I, I, I showed that Snapchat to my daughter and you know what? She liked it. So I would yeah. say I would say that the people who complained about him doing that Well, uh, you know, look, if this was an event that was intended to be broadcast, it was a TV production, uh, they'd have a point that that would have been probably not appropriate. But the fact of the matter is, from where I said, it's no different than being in rehearsal. If they're not asking him questions, as long as he's there, as long as he answers the questions asked of him, it's not like he needs to be sat there paying attention to someone asking, you know, Carlos signs whether or not he's going to drive for Renault for the 70 umpteenth time. He's heard it multiple times. So I didn't have a problem with his initial behavior. Him cutting off the press, I understand he would be upset by some of the stuff they wrote him. But as someone who pretends occasionally to be a journalist, I don't I don't think good for the sport because it already suffers from basically being nothing but access journalism anyway. Chris. Uh, you you are part of uh, part of the up and coming youthful face of F1 media. How do you, how do you see this? Is probably more important than how any of us see it. I thought the Snapchats that he was sending were, were quite funny. The ones with science and the bunny ears. I thought that was, you know, quite quite funny. The the thing I didn't like was the little tagline that he put. This it, blank is killing me. 
um, which I don't think is really kind of sending out the right message. But when you, the press conference isn't meant to be entertainment. It's there uh, for for the media to give information. And did and did by that he mean that it was killing him, like it was hysterical and funny doing those filters while the press conference was going on, or did he mean that the people attending the press conference and asking him questions were horrible people and he couldn't stand it anymore? You don't even know the answer to that question because yeah. no one bothered to ask him. He didn't First exactly have a smile on his face when he was in in the photos, though. Well, I, take uh, take a pictures of anyone for 30 straight minutes and I guarantee you I can find one picture where they're not smiling. You can't even begin. I'll tell you what I did. I put on the press conference. I saw what he was up to for about a minute. He got to the first question. He answered it. They didn't have to say, Lewis, Lewis, excuse me, Lewis, there's a question for you. He answered it right away. He answered it you know, within whatever bounds he normally answers questions anyway. His actual behavior at the actual press conference it's not intended to be a broadcast thing. It's a thing for the print media. Why should he pay attention when other people are talking about other things that don't affect him at all? He sat through, and look, man, I've sat through a lot of rehearsals where out of three hours, I play for 20 minutes and the rest of it is the strings because they can't ever play their parts. And I will tell you, no one has ever yelled at me unless I missed an entrance. Nobody cares as long as you do your job. His job was to be there and answer questions he did both. And I have two more words for you. Marshawn Lynch. You just go Google that after we're done here and you'll see what I mean. There we go. Homework for you listeners. Chris? I, I, I totally see where you're, where you're coming from. And I, you're, you, That's you're no right fun. You, said you, you, say, you say one thing about Lewis Hamilton, it's going to get a lot of uh, attention. The thing that annoyed me the most was when a lot of a lot of people on social media then started going on a bit of a, a media rampage and a frenzy, saying that you know the the media were being disrespectful to Lewis and that you know effectively they were they were bullying him a lot, which I completely disagree with. They're there to do a job, and if if Lewis you know doesn't want to talk to them, then that's kind of his issue. Yeah. He kind of has to talk to them. It's part of the job. The, the reaction on both sides was was an overreaction. But yes, you say it's part of the, part of his job to answer the questions, and and I think he did. And I think what's galling Lewis Hamilton supporters, if you like, the Hamfosi, is the suggestion that he somehow has to be respectful. And I think I can almost envisage in my mind with this telling off, and I'm I'm talking about the article in the Sun, people saying you can almost hear them saying, "Look at me while I'm talking to you." You know, like you would say to a child. And, and that seemed to be what people... You, I haven't got 100% of your attention. And, and that is hurting me. And it felt like the media were displaying an, a fragile ego, much like they accuse Lewis of a lot. Well, I, I just... The, the ones, the, the sensationalists, the people who did overreact, we're talking about a handful of people on either side. And I'm one of those people. I, I blew it out of proportion. I got excited... And I jumped down the throat of a Ben J. Hunt, at Ben J. Hunt of The Sun. And he found himself at the center of a lot of this. And I just feel terrible because I joined in. I joined in the, hey, look at this guy saying stuff. And I think it was when he retweeted a Katie Hopkins tweet, who I think we can all agree is just a horrid, horrid clickbait human being. Uh, what's the American version of Katie Hopkins that Ken was describing, Matt? Ann Coulter. There we go. So our version of Ann Coulter. And without knowing any of the facts, without even, and this is what I'm most disappointed in myself as, I was looking to link Ben to the story, 
and I found the, the what was printed and I couldn't find his name on it and I still went ahead and did it anyway. Now I'm not condoning, I'm not saying that he's uh he's right, but I absolutely went off half cocked and went at him without knowing the full facts. And now I've been told since by someone who I won't name, but we would all know if I said the name, uh, that he wasn't responsible for that and that he's been at the centre of a storm that isn't anything to do with him and, you know, it's actually having an effect, you know, on his life as a human being. So I, I, I feel very foolish and daft that I've joined in with something that has affected another human being. So, Ben, I, I pass you my unreserved apology. I think I learned a lesson about just doing a bit more homework and maybe being a bit less of a jerk on Twitter. I was going to say Twitter is very, very good for that. But I, I will pose the following existential question. I covered these press conferences for two years. I read each of them. I annotated them and I published them as articles. And first of all, all of the drivers always cut up in these things. They talk to each other constantly all the time. So it, it, I think it's just maybe because Lewis is Lewis and because it was just so, what would the word be? I want, I want to say egregious, but as it's so obvious that what he was up to. I think that might have been part of it. But I'll ask you a question. Since they now do broadcast it on Sky, even though it wasn't originally meant to be broadcast, no, how many people do you think watch it? Probably not that many, to be honest. Now, now how many people follow Lewis Hamilton on Snapchat? Billion. One billion. Easily. And if he's Snapchatting, I'm doing this thing on TV, even if he's saying it's awful, what do you think some of those people are going to go do? Tune in. Bingo. He has gone so far out of his way to promote the sport where other drivers do not i just you know i don't know man i think they need i think i think i think everybody needs to take a deep breath and gain some perspective here yeah because it's not going to do anybody any favors if it keeps on going like this by the way matt you know when you do that question talking thing that really puts me on the spot and it makes me feel pressured good that's when you do your best stuff man big dirty news Okay, let's cover these quickfire. Chris, we kind of know what happened to Lewis Hamilton's engine, do we? Yeah, it was a big end bearing uh, failure on his internal combustion engine. Happened on my uh, Austin Montego I, uh, back in the day as well. I think it was after 618 kilometers, if I remember that number correctly. Uh, and it went off without warning. Yeah, so what caused it? Now, I've heard, I've heard that Patronus, although this is a right rumor, put the wrong oil in the engines of the Mercedes cars. Well... In some respects, you might be right on that fact. It could be one or two factors. Either the incorrect oil was used, or probably the part which actually is at the bottom of one of the pistons um, could be substandard. You know, the thing is, they make, they hand build these engines. There's so many fine tolerances, and if it's just out of spec, it could fail. So it could have been either a technical failure, or it could have been a, a lubricant issue. Let's put it that way. Matt? Yeah, well, I, we don't know what caused it. I mean, we know what happened. We know the big end bearing fail. Uh, we've heard some different ideas put forth as to what might have caused it from running the engine closer to its limits, to the lubricants, to being stuck behind button while he ignored blue flags for two laps. We, we've heard all of these things put forward. But the fact of the matter is, the one thing we can be sure of is Mercedes isn't exactly sure why it happened because they absolutely did not allow them to access the same modes and settings this weekend 
that they were allowed last weekend in Malaysia, and it made Quali a little bit closer and raised some interesting questions about what might happen during the race, which sadly never came to pass because the race was fairly straightforward. Okay, so I'm taking from that we don't really know anything. Okay, let's go to Alex Van Jean because your ears and eyes on the ground. The news coming through as we speak is that Hulkenberg, big rumour, is going to go to Renault and they're saying there's zero chance of Palmer remaining and little chance of Magnussen remaining. What do you make of that, Alex? Um, so I've heard a couple of things. Um, one being Palmer in a conversation with somebody said he wasn't too certain about where he's going to be next year and he doesn't think it's going to be an F1, which is interesting if it's come from his lips, but it's all hearsay. And the other one is I don't think we're going to see Grosjean um, move away from Haas. I know he's been moaning about them a lot, but his brakes work this week, so he might be happier this week. Oh, you were still pretty moody, Chris. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I feel like having both cars in uh, Q3 uh, might be uh, might be a step in the right direction. But um, just to talk about Hulkenberg, I was saying a, a while ago that for, for Perez not to take the Renault seat was a mistake because it's a strong long-term future. So for Hulkenberg to take that, I think that would be a really great step. But my understanding was that he was confirmed at Force India by VJ Malia at the British Grand Prix. Now, that said, we do have to take stuff that team principals say with a pinch of salt. However, in September of 2015, Hulkenberg was actually confirmed to have a two-year deal with Force India. So what VJ Malia said was actually true in terms of Hulkenberg because, understandably, now he signed a two-year deal with Force India. Force India helped him to go to Le Mans where he won it as a rookie. Good job by them, obviously, apart from the Baku clash now happening. Um, but I've been having a look around on the net, and um, there's been a few. Well, there's, there's been one article that's popped into my head um, from an F1 site that's been saying that Hulkenberg's having a bit of a contractual dispute. Whether the auto build story might bring some fruition, um, they have broken stories before in uh, my favourite series, the DTM, and they have been pretty much spot on. Auto build now they're German and you're basically German. So are they what? What's their equivalent over here? Are they like the SpannersReady.com of Germany, like solidly reliable? No, not really. I think they're more sort of like um, auto build would be more sort of uh, motorsport news kind of equivalency, if you will. Um, so they, they they're pretty spot on. I mean, they had a, an exclusive interview with Martin Tonchik that broke an hour after he announced his retirement from the DTM after 16 years. Interesting. Uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, so so we can start you know, to give those rumours a, a little bit of weight. And Chris, again, I'm just not I'm not sure that Renault's going to be the golden ticket that some people think. Now, the the next two pieces of news: one is Grosjean, and one refers to Horner. Okay, we're trying out a new contact. You see, when Alex was talking about going to Palmer, I know for a fact that that's secondhand. That's pretty good uh, into the paddock. Now, this source that I've got, who let's give him a code name. Let's call him Wild Rabbit. Okay, and you and me audience you and me listener we can learn together how good a source he is and i will always say that this is wild rabbit news okay so the wild rabbit news we're getting is that Haas have already told roman grosjean that he's not required for 2017 and that explains the i don't want to say tantrums but we're not used to seeing him being that aggressive thumbs down on cameras big radio rants and that's why maybe gene Haas is saying yeah let him say what he wants because they know he's on his way out 
Renault would have been an option for him, but we're hearing that he he is not wanted at Renault either. So wild rabbit prediction through SpannersReady.com is that Grosjean isn't going to be in F1 next season. Chris? I mean, you do have to ask um, if, if Hulkenberg does go to Renault, who's going to be the other driver? You would expect Esteban Ocon and for maybe Verline to then move up to Force India. But the thing about Haas that's interesting is that, you know, I, for one, was expecting Grosjean to stay and for them to remove Esteban Gutierrez from the team. Do you think maybe they'll put Antonio Giovinazzi in the car? Because he's getting closer and closer to Ferrari. And if he wins the GP2 championship this year, that would be a, a big step forward for him. I think the whole thing about Grosjean, if he doesn't get a seat for next year, I think that's a huge, huge loss to the sport. Because I know he had his his first horrible season in F1 where he hit everything. And then his second, his second stint where he hit some things but now he stopped hitting things he's actually doing really really well and I think it will be a real real shame if we lost Grosjean because he's a character as well and doesn't really care what he says but he's fast and it's decent to have for the sport a fast Frenchman back in the sport yeah I, I can't but agree um the, it's, it's odd 12 months ago we were talking about Grosjean getting this hussy and thinking oh is he gonna get a Ferrari seat in 2017 it's funny how just things have gone in completely the opposite direction. Uh, go on, I didn't Matt. think it would be a Vettel's seat. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'm calling this. I've got no basis. <laughs> I've been saying this for a few weeks now, and and then the groundswell is sort of starting to, to appear. I'll, I'll admit mine was based on instinct rather than any information. But Vettel's on his way out, and I think he could leave as early as this year, at least Ferrari. Could be. I just wanted to jump in with a little bit from the chat room. They think the wild rabbit is well i can't actually say the words on this air yeah but shall we say not incorrect incorrect what what, what look, we're, we're learning together you and me listener we're learning the validity of wild rabbit together and the next thing wild rabbit says is christian horner was on the podium in Malaysia, when he normally subs that to another team member, he was on the podium because he thinks this could be the last time he enjoys a victory as Red Bull principal because next year he is going to be part of the FIA management team uh, with the media, media Liberty Media takeover. What do you think of that, Matt? Mm, I don't know about that. I would never really tap him to do an FIA job. He's more of an FOM type character to me. So, like, if he's more on the, the race man, I mean, because let's face it, how how long did he suck Bernie Ecclestone's toes <sighs> trying to get officially designated as his successor? What, did I say something? I, 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 <laughs> okay, come on. A, a, anyone going to back me up and think that Wild Rabbit might have a point? Uh, Goldie? Well, I don't know if he does have a point, um, but remember that the fact that Total Wolf was once rumoured to uh, end up um, higher than his uh, current role as Mercedes-Benz director of motorsport. Um, so whether that's a rumour that's potentially unfounded is anyone's guess. Um, but, I mean, Christian's you know, Christian's one of the youngest team principals in the sport. I mean, he, he joined just after the team was uh, was bought out from, from the old Jaguar remnants, and look where he's been able to take that team, along with Adrian Newey as well. So it might happen, it might not. 
Is it going to be next season? It's anyone's guess. All right, then. So we'll learn together if Wild Rabbit, my new fifth or sixth or seventh hand contact in the F1 media circus, is any good. Yeah, just back to the chat room. Uh, they're also tossing uh, Jev out for some Renault work, too. That apparently is is going around. And uh, we've also been having a bit of a chat about the uh, how FOM treats media and media accreditation in general, which we didn't really talk about, but we can at a later time. I'll give it 30 seconds. And should. Give it 30 seconds. Hmm? Give it 30 seconds. Right. Well, basically, the the... Part of the problem you have with these press conferences is that in addition to the independent journals who pay their own ticket, you get a lot of, well, I hate to use the word corrupt because that's not really the case, but it's a bit of an old boys club. And FOM is very tight with their paddock passes. And they are basically living in the 1970s with the way they run the whole thing. And I know for a fact they, they maintain a blacklist. And we have seen yep. in press conferences journalists asking hard questions, being threatened with having their accreditation pulled. Yes. They run it like it's a third third world country, a banana dictator, really. And it's very hard for the working journalists who would actually ask good questions sometimes to have the access they need while the people who have the connections – I mean, just go look at some of the pr- publications, go look at a transcript, see some of the publications of people asking questions, and you'll have never heard of them before. Spanners, anyway. Spanners Ready Media, SpannersReady.com, and Misspaced Apex Podcast would like to disassociate from any comments comparing the FIA, FOM, or any parties therein to a banana republic or any kind of other unpleasant thing. Bear that in mind for our accreditation application. Okay then, guys, uh, let's move on to race time. Okay, we're going to skip through qualifying. We know that Rosberg had the absolute measure of uh, Lewis Hamilton in every session, including Q3, Q1, Q2, Q3, and just, just pipped him to the post. But frankly, Lewis didn't seem to have the pace throughout qualifying. Haas brought it home in the top 10, Matt, and beat both Williams. That must have been a cause of celebration. Yeah, well, but let's go back to the engines. They were running older engines with more mileage on them because Mercedes was concerned, having not identified the um, the cause, having identified the cause, but not not the reason for the failure of that bearing. So it's not surprising that they they had even less speed Williams, than normal. Yeah, although I yeah. I will admit to knocking Pat. <laughs> Simons for being on Sky and explaining stuff on the Skypad rather than figuring out how to make his cars go faster. Well, I think that they they made that decision right at the beginning of the season, didn't they, to use one less engine and to, to save a massive amount of money. No, they they rolled. I think they rolled back their engines based on what the information Mercedes gave to their customers. Oh, oh so even more. So the fact is, they're making their engines last even longer. And then they had to take a power cut due to what Mercedes had told them. Uh, Alex Goldsmith, Goldie, where where is the McLaren resurgence that everyone's talking about? I thought this was going to be, this was meant to be the big Honda upgrade. Well, especially on home soil as well, because, you know, um, well, first of all, it's the second home for Jensen Button. You you would have been, he would have loved to have gotten a great sort of, you know, top 10 finish, get into Q3. Um, obviously it's a year since we had the infamous GP2 engine comments by Fernando Alonso as well. Uh, the package yeah. just struggled completely. It, com- it sort yeah. of really fell apart in front of, um, you know, a very, 
that the Japanese are very, very passionate about their motorsport. And to see one of their brands struggle against the top tiers probably was something very difficult, but they would still cheer them on nevertheless out of respect for them for being there. Jensen was convinced after uh, Friday practice that there was something wrong with his McLaren because he was so far off the pace of Fernando. Fernando was actually showing like top 12 pace. Jensen was looking like he was going to get knocked out of Q1, which he ended up, that's what ended up happening. Um, and so you're right. And Alonso came out with all these comments after qualifying in the race that this, this Honda upgrade isn't an improvement. It's not, it's not a step in, it's not a step forward, certainly not in speed. So you, you do have to wonder you, what, what, what is this, this new thing, whatever it was, what's it worth? I mean, it's, I think coming back to what you're saying, Chris, whether it was more of reliability than a power issue. Um, that's the big thing because obviously we had Fernando. I think Fernando didn't make it. Uh, I think he sort of dropped down and dropped out of the race. But it's just the reliability. I think has one of the, been the biggest struggling points that Honda have had since they rejoined Formula One. And it's still going to happen. There's still going to be teething problems when they spend the power. To- you know, spend the tokens. But whether it was rather than it being a power upgrade, because we've always known that Honda has had. A, de- a deficit on, say, like Mercedes, who I think are rumoured to ru- running close to 1,000 horsepower with the combined of their power units. But it's difficult to say what they're going to bring to the table for 2017 because we've only got four races left now. Um, from what it looked like, I mean, in in the last Grand Prix, they made span they made um, Alonso run his new engine. This this what they called the Suzuka spec engine. Um, huh. Didn't give it to Jensen from what my understanding was, but also what I heard they gave Alonso for this race, but not button was a new floor, which wasn't supposed to grab attach so much speed, but just um, uh, extra balance for the car. Now there's an interesting tech point, Matt, because Jensen button was complaining that the McLaren floor isn't close enough to the ground. Well, if they knew that make it closer to the ground. Yeah, well, the problem is they're running with Red Bull-like rake, which, no surprise, Peter Prodromo is at McLaren, and he was the uh, apprentice of Adrian Newey at Red Bull. So it's not a surprise to see them going that direction, but what they haven't gotten is the arrow working as well as Red Bull at those medium-high and high-speed corners, so they don't have the same levels of, of downforce. And part of that is down to the Honda engine not having quite enough grunt, but part of it is it's a very difficult thing to solve, and it's not just down to the aerodynamics, it's also down to the setup of the car itself to make the arrow work right under those circumstances and they just they're not quite there yet with their solutions and that's why you saw them fall off so badly at this particular track Uh, like many teams there'll be some tracks where they do better some tracks where they do worse that's one thing the other thing i want to say nobody's mentioned this after qualifying they interviewed lewis and he said that he went the wrong way on his setup and they had to change a lot of stuff and rather than asking him oh, like, dude, what did you change or what was your wrong direction? They said, well, how did it feel on your lap? Which made me really want to just stick things in my eye. But I think there's a bit of a story there as to how he got his setup wrong and what he changed that I haven't heard yet. And that's it. That's all I want to say. Let's go to the race. (laughs) 
race review brought to you by the patrons of Patreon. Thank you so much, patrons. You literally pay for the show. If you'd like to support the show, please go to spannersready.com. Go to the Contact Us page and the Patreon tab is there. Uh, you know, as a 36-year-old father with a grown-up job who talks in his shed to the internet and then begs people to listen to, believe it or not, that can sometimes feel a bit ridiculous. So, But every time I feel like I should just sack it off, some little opportunity or some increase in a project or other or more importantly a patreon email comes through and and it does lift me and it makes me think we can do more and more of this kind of stuff so let's get into the race another poor start for lewis hamilton alex van jean what is going on with our british hero what's happening he's fluffing him but i don't know how much of it is him to be honest i was i was having a chat and um it seems like there is a bit of a clutch issue as well. But everyone who keeps saying that there was a wet patch on his grid spot and that fluffed him, I just I can't buy into that at all. Um, but it does seem like the Mercs seem to have an inherent issue because Lewis has lost 23 grid places from starts this year and uh, Nico's lost 29. Um, I don't know if that includes his crash at at Malaysia, but um, it just shows that those those Mercs just aren't getting off the line, and it's something that must be in their systems that affects that. You're you're right. There is definitely something inherently wrong with the way Mercedes get themselves off the line. But Lewis admitted after the race that it was his own error. Yeah, no, come on, don't be silly, don't be silly. He did that in Monza as well, only for the team to come out and say it was a clutch issue. And he actually said later, I said that on the radio because I I wanted the team to relax and not feel bad about anything and crack on. Well, I was going to say the same thing. Toto said it was the clutch. Lewis said it was himself. The media said it was a damp patch. And it just goes to show you, of all the things Mercedes does well, apparently intra-team communications is an area where they could focus a little bit of their <laughs> and effort. And goodness knows what Nicky same, Lauda says. We had the same problem with the um, Verstappen issue that we're going to talk about going to the stewards. Lewis said he didn't ask for it to go. They said they did ask for it to go. We heard there was a steward involved who came to them and said, send it. It's just a right mess. Everybody's just going out and saying whatever they want and I'm not even going to get into the subject of Lauda because, oh, my God. I, I still vote that Lauda's amazing. Okay, so, but let's talk about what Toto Wolf said. He said, yes, there's there's a clutch issue. It didn't perform properly is what he's suggesting. Um, and then we're hearing that this is the same engine that he had, at least for Monza, where he had a very similar issue. So... Is is that starting to come together as a case? And I don't I like Alex. I don't buy the the, the damp puddle. But uh, Va, uh, Goldie, gosh, I mean it, it's it's all hearsay. You're getting Lewis saying one thing, Mr. Toto saying another, the media saying another. Can we just find out what it is, please? I mean, if it is the same engine from Monza, whether they're using the same gearbox is a different matter altogether. So it could have been a different gearbox. Also, might potentially have a gear a, a clutch problem. But if Lewis has admitted that he's mucking up the starts, then, you know, we've talked about this time and time again that it's not just Lewis that's fluffing them, it's, it's other drivers as well. And we've seen that case in... 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Time and time again this year. Yeah, I, I had heard that it was the Monza engine too, and and more to the point that. Uh, the clutch is actually a difficult thing for them to sort because of its location. I, I haven't verified that, but I have definitely heard that from people. And uh, I think the other runners on the same side, I mean, first of all, it's not the it's not the preferred side of the track because it's not where the racing line is. So you're never going to get as good a start or as much traction. But I think that most of the people starting behind him lost places as well relative to their people they were starting on the same row with yeah chris the thing about um when a john lever admits a mistake and the team tries to sort of say it was a team error usually it's the team covering up for a driver error normally you know a driver won't take the blame for a for a team mistake and you've got to say that Mercedes do tend to sort of give themselves a lot of slack for things that aren't necessarily their fault. So like when Lewis has a setup issue, they say that they haven't provided Lewis with the car he needs when really it's up to Lewis to work with the car. Sorry, I'm going to talk over you because I cannot for a second say this is not anything but a sign of a team that is actually functioning incredibly well. You have the driver taking responsibility. It was my fault. You have the team taking responsibility. It's our fault. That means they're viewing their roles correctly. The team views their role as giving the driver exactly the tools they need to do the best job with the car. And the driver views it as his job to take whatever the team gives him and do the best job possible regardless of how well it suits him. I, to me, like... That that is what you would actually expect when everybody's is taking their their role seriously, and you, you're not playing. Nobody's playing a blame game. No one's going. To, it's entirely the team's fault. They've let me down. That's when things start to get toxic and bad in an organization. Yeah, Alex. I mean, the thing that goes with it is I don't see Lewis has have ever been a bad starter. He's not like Mark Webber, you know, who could never ever get off the start line. It's all of a sudden been since the last two years that sometimes he starts well like in Abu Dhabi in 2014 um, and sometimes he just doesn't move and so it's got to be 
the car and because Nico often has the same issue. Generally not as bad though. That's the only thing that worries me is when it goes wrong for Lewis, it goes wrong in a much, much worse way than it does seem to do for Nico. Come oh, on, Chris. Oh. You, you, you've got to remember though that um, for this season, the start procedure has changed. They're only allowed one clutch now and that's just made the, the whole act of getting the car off the line so much more difficult and that's why we're seeing more issues this year. Yeah, okay. but Ferrari have redesigned their clutch to accommodate that. I think Mercedes kind of overlooked this a little bit, personally. Well, especially with the fact that Vettel's had some blinders this year as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the biggest things we've got to remember with this, you know, new pro- protocols are introduced. The biggest thing is they're not having the opportunity to test it. They're having to do it under fire. And that's when mistakes happen. And for Lewis to actually come out and say, look, it's my fault. And as Matt said, the team, uh, you know, the team and Lewis are doing their jobs correctly. If there was a complete disharmony that Lewis was actually slating the team completely, and I'm sure that Toto and Nicky would be having a swift word in his ear around about now. But at least at the, mo- at the moment, I think from what I hear, Hamilton's on his way to Barcelona to do a mock 2017 test with uh, the allocated downforce at Barcelona for a couple of days. So he's winging it over on Nicky Lauda's private jet as we speak. But if there was any disharmony, it could be very public and very, very, um, how can I say, disorganized chaos for both driver and team. And the thing is, Mercedes are good at what they do. They're three-time constructors championship constructors champions, and potentially one of their two drivers is going to take the third driver's title for Mercedes in a row. Okay. <laughs> Matt, this is normally where we like to dwell on the strategy of the race, but it was pretty straightforward this week. But let's, let's run through it quickly. One of the key things to me, I think, was the Williamses uh, rolling the dice and trying to go for a one-stop. Really didn't work out. They just kept losing so much time. And you're just wondering, man, they're doing it again. They've, they've been doing this kind of thing for a while now. Yeah, it's like they looked at that little... Pirelli infographic and said, oh, look, the mediums will go 23 laps. So let's just go 23 laps on the mediums. And they didn't bother to take into account the actual race going on around them. Yeah. I was staggered. I was staggered. I was watching. I was like, how can you? But you're never. You're not going to make a one stop. So it just, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was painful. To, it was painful to watch, wasn't it? And um, I have to tell you what's been quite telling about Williams' season is we've hardly heard from Rob Smedley at all. And I've got the feeling they that we only really heard from him today because it looked to go so wrong for them strategy-wise. Yeah, well, this is the thing with Williams for the past couple of years is they really seem to have started off with a great idea of how to maximize their advantages, much like Force India, and then they have just put foot after foot wrong. They just do not seem to be able to get on top of being competitive when they need to. Alex. Um, forgetting the competitive advantage, they don't take any advantage of their strategy. They started 11th and 12th today, which means they got complete free choice. They're in the best position to go for, an, for, go for an aggressive attacking strategy, like they have been several times for the last three years, and they just don't take it. And every single time it's cost them position and gained them nothing. Yeah, you feel bad, and uh, but obviously Massa does nothing to make it look good. <laughs> That's poor. Sorry, I apologise to Felipe Massa and all who know him. But the rest of the race map, it was pretty straightforward. Both Mercedes went, uh, they started on their quali tyres and then went hard, hard. Um, uh, the only person who seemed to buck that was Sebastian Vettel, 
who tried to go onto softs. And to be fair, he looked a bit racy for a little while. He looked to be threatening Lewis Hamilton. Then Lewis Hamilton stretched into the distance. What's that, Alex? He looked racy for two laps. For two laps. Complete, there's, there's a word I'd love to use that somebody sent me earlier, what Ferrari's strategy, strategy was, but um, I can't say it because this is supposed to be clear for air on a Monday, Monday morning commute, but it wasn't very... Um, but that, that's very not rare. That's not, they wanted to do. that's not rare for Ferrari, though, is it? So they, maybe they got that wrong. They also let Kimi get undercut by Lewis Hamilton again for the second time in three races when it seemed obvious, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I've got to give props to Mercedes because to get Lewis up from eighth, they just did what... The only thing they need to do, which is just get Lewis into clear air. And you do that by, you know, just tell tell Lewis to, to hang back, conserve the tyres, and when everyone else pits, you go out and do, you know, run your own pace because that Mercedes is quick enough, even on old tyres, to make up that advantage against the other cars because uh, yeah. it runs so well in clear air. On an overcut, what, beg your pardon, yeah. Yeah, on an overcut. What Ferrari didn't then do was make sure that Vettel got out ahead of Lewis. Had they done that and just stuck him on another set of tires, I, I, I don't know if he had another um, set of hard um, no tires, well see Ferrari but... turned up for the weekend with much more soft tyres than everybody else so that's what I wondered whether they just didn't have any choice yeah but I, you, you've got to say that, that that cost them a potential podium because had they managed to get out ahead of Lewis he would have had much more of a fighting chance Matt was that the battle with Perez that held him up or was I thinking of Raikkonen and Perez in a different incident in the race it was the Raikkonen incident Raikkonen and, and Perez when Lewis came out ahead of them yeah, yeah, that, that's it just like they just don't ever seem to going all the way back to to Alonso and Petrov. They just don't seem to be able to get that quite right. And it's fascinating that they've not gotten on top of it yet. But you know who did get it right today and someone who have never said a nice word about ever is Kimi Raikkonen, who really took the opportunities to get past cars early, was very aggressive. And he probably from his point of view, from a driver point of view, maximized what he could do today. Wow, no, see, we're so set up to badmouth Kimi Raikkonen that when a good thing happens, no no one, you're, you're new, Alex, you're I'll untainted. Bad mouth. I'll badmouth I'll, Kimi. I'll, <laughs> Go on I then. I was just going to say, did he have his customary Magnum and Coke after he finished <laughs> for having such a good result? Wrong track. <laughs> oh, it's only, um, it's only no, in Bahrain he gets my issue with My issue with Kimi is only when he seems to have a sniff of anything does he actually come alive. Like in qualifying, he was fantastic in qualifying yesterday. And he really, you know, he took it to Seb and and smashed Seb. But the second he got that penalty, he knows he's got no chance of even fighting for a podium. He kind of, he kind of gets it. He wants to have a fight and play around because that's what racing drivers do. And he always seems to overtake well at Suzuka. But I just always seem to think whenever he hasn't got a sniff, his head drops. So when, on the on the days when the car's been good this year, he's taken it to Seb. But then as soon as he hasn't got a chance, he kind of goes off the boil again. How it's Alonso really, really him. frustrating. Yeah, Matt, what's the chat room up to? Normally I would be in there myself, uh, but I don't know. My, my system's screwing up today and I, I can't be bothered to fix it. What are they up to? What are they saying? Well, uh, they're still complaining about Mercedes clutches. You know, they brought <laughs> in, I think, their truck division to help them with that. I heard. Well, hang on, isn't, isn't that further evidence that there is an issue if they've got their truck division in to come and help? You know, that doesn't sound like then just Toto Wolf just massaging the ego of Lewis Hamilton. That sounds like they actually have a clutch issue. No, I think they saw a couple of Ferrari starts and they went, oh dear, 
we 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 need some help with this. Um, they're complaining about your cheap shots at Massa, Anon from the <laughs> states in particular takes umbrage at your words, my friend. That's completely fair. And uh, they want to know if bringing Vettel in a lap earlier would have kept him in front of Lewis, at least for a few laps. And I don't know. I'd have to go dial up my app and take a look. The what prob- do you think? The problem with that is that would, in- that would require an entirely different strategy team at Ferrari. Yeah, and certainly on the softs, that wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have been a workable strategy because they, the softs had a different definite lifespan exactly so where max verstappen was able to hold lewis hamilton off i don't think that the ferraris would have held on to their softs uh, and and you know maybe in retrospect they just came up they just turned up with the wrong tires so let's go on to then max verstappen versus lewis hamilton he's done this to nico rosberg he's been doing it to kimmy i think 47 times he's done this to kimmy raikkonen uh he's braked he's broken He's braked. He's broken in the braking zone. He's seen Lewis come on the inside. He's moved late in the braking zone. And Lewis Hamilton has taken avoiding action. Lewis comes on the radio and says, hey, he moved in the braking zone. The big issue is, so, is there actually any problem with moving in the braking zone? Alex Goldie no. Goldschmidt. I've, had, I've looked over the footage several times and Lewis was at least a car length behind. Uh, at least a car length behind. And Max actually had more than enough opportunity to break late into the braking zone, choose his line, which he did. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't weaving all over the place like he's been accused of previously. Okay, well, let, let, let's clarify between two things, because when we talk about leaving a car's width, we're talking about your behaviour in the straight before the wor- the braking zone. And there is an absolute definite rule that says you must leave a car's width if you're moving over and you can only change your direction once. And the only time that tends to be ignored is when you're then moving back to the racing line. So this, what we're talking about here, Alex, as a, as a uh, sorry, yeah, Alex Van Gene, as a racer, we're talking about once you're in the braking zone, you've already started braking, you see that someone's going to come and try and outbreak you um, at this, uh, into the corner, and it, it's irrelevant whether he was alongside or not. The school of thinking is you don't move to then block it once you've started braking. However, there's no actual rule that says you can't. You're right. There is no rule that says you can't. Most people don't like people moving in the braking area because if someone gets it wrong, it causes a really big crash. I think the thing was Lewis did go for a bit of a lunge. He wasn't as close as we think he was. The second he moved, so and so did Max. Max didn't wait like he did at um, like he did at Spa going down the straight on Kimmy. He didn't really. He didn't wait. He saw it coming. He knew it was coming. He. The, it's called tele, we, we telegraph, he telegraphed it because he saw it completely coming and went to move and covered it off um, so I think that one he gets away with and Lewis knew it was coming that's why he was easy to dive to the left and I watched the replay and he doesn't sort of sort of panic and veer left really violently because he could have locked his brakes up gone around the outside of the chicane and and been a bit risky but he knew there was no point he saw it coming went for the escape road so the standard the standard procedure there would have been he he's said he's going they, they've started breaking he's set up to the inside and then it's a straight fight to see who who can go on the brakes later and then they wrestle it into the corner but what you're saying is that you know max has kind of broken a little bit of a driver convention there which is he didn't go for the straight out breaking maneuver he just went oh he's going to the inside I'm going to I'm going to block that path off and Lewis kind of maybe gone well Max does this so I'll sensibly move to the runoff. For me yeah. Lewis was uh not close enough for 
for for for, for him to, to have a right to complain about it. And frankly, if you ask me, the Max's movement was a, a, a typical defense of that particular chicane. You see cars moving about there all the time, every year, never had a problem before. Yeah, so there's two issues here. There's issue number one, which did he move in a braking zone, which I, it seems like that was marginal. I don't know if he was actually on his brakes when he moved or about to be or where one would expect to be. Okay. And then there's a larger issue of it's not actually against the rules, but we've heard that he got a bit of a speech from Charlie Whiting about it regardless of whether or not he got a penalty. And they basically said they don't like, the FAA does not like to see this, even if it's technically legal. That's uh, not good. You should probably rethink your defending tactics a little bit because if this keeps up, you will get a penalty. Okay, that that's not going to do anything. If I say to my kids, look guys, it's making life really hard for mummy and daddy when you do that kind of thing. If you could, if you could just be a bit more consistent. Yeah, that never works. Take away their stuff. And that's when they respond, Alex. It doesn't matter. If it's not in the rules and you haven't got a penalty for it, you will keep doing it until you get a penalty for it. Hang on, it wasn't Everyone... it you this morning that said, yeah, but is it in the spirit of the race of racing? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> that's the whole thing, though. But it depends on what you want to do. And do you want to keep second place in a Grand Prix or do you want to drop to third? So, I don't, yeah. so, so what I'm not hearing is I'm not hearing any condemnation of Max Verstappen's moves. I think no, everyone... I've seen worse, I've, I've seen worse moves in tin top racing. Let's be believe clear. you me, believe move? you me, and I'll be getting that this coming weekend at Hockenheim for the DTM. Move I, or I moves? Because if you're talking about this one move, it doesn't seem like it was. It, maybe he was in a braking zone, but it didn't. It wasn't anything that would was illegal at all under any of the other normal rules of engagement. But if you're talking about his moves general, including like the stuff at Spa and things like that. There's a pattern of behavior, and I think that might be what FIA is looking at. Alex? Going back to sort of, the, as you sort of said, the pattern of behavior, something you get when you race with people. Um, you know, I've raced in several series, and you know the people who are going to give you room, and you know the people who are going to shove you off the track. So when you're going up against Max, this kid who has said outright, I don't care what they think of my driving. I'm going to drive the way I want to drive. And everyone's just going to have, a, have to deal with it. If they're going to stop me, they've got to penalize me for it. So you learn who you're coming up against. So it's like if that was on Kimmy, Lewis would have known Kimmy's a proper, Kimmy's, Kimmy's a, a sly old dog, but he knows exactly what to do there. And he probably would have got past Kimmy. But Max is a bit more stubborn than most out there. Wow, I can't believe the level of agreement there. Any other business, boys? I want to get your opinions on blue flags at the moment. Uh, we saw has returned to form. Grosjean was super pleased with his race pace on hard tyres. Uh, dirty air looks to be still a big, big issue. And next year is not going to be any better as we move f again towards an aero series rather than an engine series. The Honda recovery isn't coming, guys. Everyone needs to stop wishing. It's going to be a decade before we see McLaren in a title fight. F1 has changed, and McLaren are going the way of Williams. It, it's, a, it's a team for the big, big budgets. McLaren are not coming back. You're shaking your head at me, Alex. Come on, then. Why? why? Give, me, give me reason to hope. Every, I'll tell you what. This season, every time they've done anything beyond utterly hopeless, everyone's gone, this is it. This is it. The recovery's coming. I've never said that once. 
what I have what I have seen is the slow progression. Apparently keeps everyone keeps talking about the fact they've got the best ERS out there, but I don't know. I'm not on that technical side of things. But McLaren are too much of a force. Honda are too much of a force. And um I think it can take them a couple it's taken a couple more years. Next year will be an improvement and they'll keep improving. It's not going to be a decade. And I hope it's right. Right. So first of all, McLaren just won the tender for the Formula E battery, particularly because of their energy management. That particularly impressed the committee. So right off the bat, you're not entirely wrong about that. But where I think I think Spanners, you have missed the veritable Honda boat, as it were, is the fact that there are no token restrictions. And we know for a fact that Honda is going to entirely redesign its turbo so it's powerful enough for next year. And you will be eating every last one of those nope. words you just uttered. Every last one of them will be eaten nope. in a special sauce. Of well, it's humble. on record. Well, it's on record now. And the thing is, the token restrictions are being lifted for everyone else as well. Come on, Chris, let's hear in what way you're disagreeing with me this time. You've seen the progress that Honda have made in one year. What are they going to do in two years? Right, okay, let's let's years? stop, let's stop. We're not talking about mana coming in with a low budget and then progressing to get past Sauber. What we're talking about is an engine manufacturer that came in and utterly, 100%, dropped the ball for a couple of seasons and came into it with completely the wrong idea. And now, basically, they're getting praise for not having... Comp- they've made up for having completely messed up. And now we get to start to see if they're going to make any real progression. There's a reason that they were so slow in the first season. It's because these power units are massively complicated things it, it's it's not a case of being able to just come in and be quick immediately like it was in the 2.4 liter v8 days there's so much more technically to an engine now to get right that to, to come in and be competitive straight away is is almost impossible even i will say Honda. absolutely they will be williams force india and possibly better next year uh, is the chat room yelling at me or agreeing with me for mclaren's lack of progression uh, they're pointing out it took Honda three years before they became a force in the first turbo era. Yes, I can. Yes, that was very, very true, especially when uh, Ayrton Senna was running Honda engines at Lotus before he made the switch, if I remember correctly. And he had a big affiliation with the team over in Japan as well. Okay, guys, do we think... Uh, that the- sorry, I was just going through the chat room. They basically think you're entirely wrong. Excellent. I'll sum it up. <laughs> Are they being they're being a, super polite about it, aren't they? Smack in the face for Spanners there. Yeah, that's great. And in in 2013, they were saying very similar things. You know, the the the, the McLaren recovery was coming. I, the, I, the, that's not an outfit for me that is going to become one of the top two, top, top three teams again very soon. It's just not going to happen. Now, if you want to talk about Honda becoming a works team, perhaps, but I don't think McLaren with any engine, let alone the Honda engine is going to be coming back anytime soon. I want to hear what you guys have got to say about blue flags because I'm sure that Sebastian Vettel can't be the only driver along with the Stappen that's complaining about blue flags, but that's certainly the narrative we've been getting over the over the TV radios is that Vettel every race is complaining about blue flags. Is there an inherent problem or is it Sebastian Vettel just being a bit of a crybaby? Go on then, Alex. And then Goldie. Tote totally being a credit it's only max or max this race but only seb that really properly moans about it yes it's a pain in the backside when you're coming up against a slower car and they don't get out of your way but i preferred it back in the old days when there was no blue flag just let them try and overdo a genuine overtake on them because especially because tracks like suzuka 
there's not it's not like Malaysia where there's loads and loads of space on the track. They can't just disappear through the S's, otherwise they're going to end up off the track. I'd have to agree with Alex with regards to Seb because he's probably the one that's been the most vocal of it, and you'll probably get the odd occasional snide comment, but when Vettel goes for it, he goes for it full ball, a bit like how he hits the accelerator pedal. Chris? I, d- I didn't see anything wrong from the bat markers. If you ask me, it's the lead drivers who are just getting frustrated by the fact that they're, they're catching a, a, a bat marker at the wrong place. And Alex, uh, what I really saw from being at Castle Coombe and, and being... Um... Be, being up close and personal at that racetrack with lots of different classes when you've got even very capable drivers in a car that is just outclassed on, on speed and pace for them to get out of the way even say through folly at Castle Coombe which is just a slight kink uh, up to quarry they can lose a second even politely getting out of the way and if they're involved in a battle it's really critical we can't blame these guys for racing otherwise we just say when you go a lap down pull into the pits whatever position you're in that's it Sorry, Goldie. I was talking to you. Beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, it's very different. I mean, like you say, you can lose time if you are a backmarker. But then, if you, like you say, if you're embroiled in a battle, like say Ocon and Verline battling for position, let's say for fifteenth, for instance, you know <laughs> they won't want the likes of like Vettel trying to sh- shove their way past. But of course, they do have to respect. It is a regulation, and it has to be respected. But if they can still battle whilst actually allowing, say, like, Messrs. Vettel, Raikkonen, whoever passed, they could minimise that that risk of losing that amount of time. And I know that Matt wants to say something on this as well. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, first of all, let's just be clear. Suzuka is particularly bad for this because even if they're trying to get out of the way, as Alex has said, it's, it's difficult to do it gracefully, number one. Number two, well, you're talking about battles. In particular, we heard not only Verstappen and Vettel, we also heard Raikkonen just moaning about uh, having a hard time getting around people ahead of him. And the particular battle that I'm thinking of was right at the end of the race was Verstappen being chased down by Hamilton and coming across that epic battle for 17th place and 16th place between Alonso and Sainz. And they were going at it, hammer and tongs. And here comes Verstappen being chased down by Lewis Hamilton, who's watching his championship disappear up the road. And it's tough. But if you really, again, when we talk about smart regulation change, I want to go back to something Alex said. Rather than make them deal with a clutch without any help from the engineers, why not just get rid of blue flags? then suddenly overtaking is a skill has a lot more impact on the race and it's very unpredictable what might happen and i want and to that agree alone with you. could be fantastic i want to agree with you and i in principle i think that's great but when you talk about what impact will it have on the race we're talking about you know those chase downs being completely wrecked we wouldn't have had the the singapore chase down of uh ricciardo uh trying to chase down nico rosberg it would have just been completely smashed Oh, mind you, I'll correct myself mid-flow. It might have been made even more fun by Rosberg not being able to get through the traffic. Yeah, exactly. okay. Don't know yeah, I'm on board. You completely changed my mind. Brilliant, fantastic. I love it when you, you so think a thing and then someone changes your mind. It's one of the most wonderful things of the human experience. The flip side of that is, do we all remember when they used to not let lapped cars go? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and everyone complained about it yeah. so much. And then they started letting lap cars go. And then everyone complained about how long it took. <laughs> it's just like, it's just Formula One. Whatever you do, people are going to complain about it. All right, man. Let's find out what you thought of the podium. 
Okay, overall, I give the Japanese Grand Prix 42 points. That's how I rate it. Let's find out who your thing of the weekend is. I've hinted at mine. Kimi Raikkonen is my driver of the weekend. Unbelievably. But at the beginning of the race, he looked hungry and he went for it. And he was a, he looked like a great racer. Alex, stop disagreeing with me. You waving? No, I'm I'm waiting to do my thing of the week. Okay, what's, about it all day. what's your thing? What's your thing of the week then? Roman Grosjean's brakes actually worked this weekend. Excellent, Chris Stevens. What's your thing of the weekend? Thing of the weekend is Max Verstappen did a great job. Maximum of, from the car outclassed Ricardo supremely. Yeah, Ricardo, somewhat anonymous. Goldie, do you agree with that? I do agree with that. Um, I think his his manoeuvre on, you know, keeping Lewis at bay was definitely one of the high points of the race for me. Uh, but my thing of the week, Haas, both cars getting into Q3. Matt, you're American. Did he steal your thing? I always make you go last because I like seeing how upset you get if someone steals your thing. No, no, he didn't steal my thing, but uh, that was definitely a good shot. My thing of the week is, of course, Ricardo. Why? He disappeared. Because of his because his comment that he was <laughs> off to lose five kilos so that he could eat like a horse in Austin. I mean, how could you that just that yeah, absolutely wins. He's got but surely that's comment but, of the week, not thing of the week. Well no, hang on a minute. We can we can we can do some of that. We well, can have some of that action if you want. I, I was I was gonna say, Matt, was he gonna drown that uh, drown his barbecue with uh, with a Texas style shoey? Yeah, probably. they have some big shoes in Texas, my friend. They do indeed. <laughs> Did you hear Rosberg say that he didn't want? Um, he's going to do everything he can to make sure Ricardo doesn't win another race ever again, so he doesn't ever have to do a shoey ever again. His uh, face when he drank out of that shoe. Oh my oh. goodness, that was a thing of beauty. But but the fun <laughs> the the funny thing is is that 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 tradition that Ricardo has actually started happened at the Bathurst winner ceremony that the winning duo did a shoey live on the podium. Seriously, he, he didn't. He didn't start it. Jack Miller started it. Well, okay. Let's well, give credit well, to the right people. No, let's put well, blame as... to the right people. Yes, Daniel Ricciardo <laughs> making yeah. it more mainstream than Jack Miller. <laughs> okay. Verrucas of the mouth. Let's find out who missed the apex. Daddy, you make me so sad. You're <laughs> always mean to me. Matt, who made you sad? Uh, no, we missed the chat rooms thing of the weekend. Let's do it. That Bathurst 1010 top race in Oz was their thing of the weekend. It's an F1 show. Anything else? Anything relevant? No, I just wanted to throw that in there because I knew it would irritate you. Worked. Matt, what's, what made you sad this weekend? What made me sad? Is this the Missed the Apex Award? Yeah. Or just what made me sad? Missed Apex. The Missed Apex. Hmm. Got to think about that for a minute. Esteban Gutierrez missed the Apex he had a good car, he was in Q3, and somehow he wound up at the back. Yeah, Williams for me, negative strategy, uh, making them look a little bit silly, and yes, I've stolen Alex's, so I could give him lots of time, or I could go, Alex, what was your missed Apex Award of the weekend? Think of another one. There we go. Um, fair Daniel Ricciardo, just anonymous. I know he was suffering with some straight line speed, but he was just completely anonymous this this weekend, which is really, really strange for Danny Rick especially because he's fast becoming one of my favourite drivers. And it's strange, which kind of makes me think, well, there must be some kind of issue. But Matt, didn't you say that there was some sort of engine gremlin going on? Yeah, and they had they had been experiencing this already. He's He's somehow losing some speed, and they don't exactly know what's causing it exactly. 
Excellent. It's always nice when you have a lot of information like that. Chris Stevens, who missed the apex for you? Snapchat. <laughs> Caused far more grief than it should have done. Have you seen in our WhatsApp group that writer Stephen Williams from SpannersReady.com has done a snapshot rabbit ears for all of us here on the live stream? And his comment was, it's so much fun, no wonder Lewis was into it. <laughs> Alex, me and my wife feel like we're too old for Snapchat. Neither of us understand it or can even work the blooming app. Yeah, I I thought that Snapchat was like one of you know one of those you know, naughty apps like Tinder or something like that. And then when and then suddenly it became really mainstream. I'm like, everyone's using this. Lewis Hamilton's doing what? And then no, now it's kind of just like Facebook or the other ones, Twitter. Alex Goldsmith, who missed the Apex for you? Roman Grosjean with his constant outbursts. It looks like he could be on his way out to heart. I absolutely agree. So you would probably also give him the Pony Award. Daddy, I want a pony. And yeah. I want it now. And mine goes to Fernando Alonso, my Pony Award, uh, because they said, OK, Fernando, push now. And he said, and on what tyres should I push on? Way to stick it to the team there. Uh, Chris Stevens, Matt Trumpets or Alex Van Gene, do either of you have a missed, uh, sorry, uh, Daddy, I want a Pony Award? It can only be Mr. Blue Flag. It can only be Seb. And I'm getting, I'm actually getting sick of it. I give him the Pony Award most weekends because he's just. I'm bored of it. Complaining. It's boring, isn't it? I am bored of it. So boring. Yeah. And more people have a go at, and no one has a go at him for it, but have a go at a certain other person who I'm not allowed to talk about for being preferential. Oh my god, you're such a fanboy, Alex. Okay, Chris Stevens. I don't know if it's Pony Award, but can we give a shout out to Nico Hulkenberg for going? See you later. On the radio when he passed, was it Bottas on the chicane? That, that should so have been your cruel. thing of the weekend. My question is, is that radio on all the time or do they have to press a button for it to come through? Because you've just got to think, they've got to press a button. So he, he's pulled yeah. off that manoeuvre. I know we, it's not synced with the picture. He's pulled off that manoeuvre, then he's gone onto the straight. He's gone to the effort of pushing the button to say that. That's what I, that's what I love most. Because uh, when was it we had when Vettel got uh, hit in China by Kvyat and he was doing all those rants and he got hit again while he was doing a rant and you've got to think well maybe if you hadn't have gone to the effort of pressing the button you could have avoided the third hit no it was Russia when we do the uh, 24 hour race we've got radios in the carts and um, every time you pull off a decent move or some owner in a much faster cart comes pile driving past you you're always talking to the talking to the radio it's always nice to um, to have a rant and have a have a, uh, and, and, and have a joyous moment when you pull off a great overtake. So it's not uncommon, but it's brilliant that we get to hear all that. I, I can't be trusted with that because when we went karting together at road racing in Ellsbury, I had the webcam on the top of my head, the GoPro on the for, that I hired from the thing. I did not know. I didn't think that it picked up sound. <laughs> I thought that it was just going to be picture only. Where is all the video footage from that, by the way? Okay, so there's a lot of expletives, and I, I need to just filter that off. I have actually started putting... It's been a, video- a long time. It's been over a month. I'll be I'll be right on it. But when someone put me in a hairpin, oh my gosh, that, that is not SFW. All right, guys, unless anyone else has got anything to say, I'll ask you, Matt Trumpets, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Matt pt55 on the twitter's best place to look for me and go buy my wife's books they're the easiest way to get a trouble-free grand prix because your wife will be distracted by them because she'll be so entertained alex right alex what's your your internet presence like these days 
Uh, mostly Twitter. I mostly post about boilers, if I'm brutally honest. But I'm at Alex Van Jean, which is V A N G double E N. But um, yeah, I mostly put put stuff up of boilers and the occasional racing things that I do, and generally moan about Formula One. Do, do you want to promote a special boiler deal, like a boiler that's like either significantly no. hotter than other boilers, or it no. boils to some hot water? If he does, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've already had a go at Chris because he's got the wrong boiler behind him. Chris Stevens, uh, yeah, you've got a lot wrong with your setup. Uh, how, how, where would you point people to find you? Uh, I would like to point them in the direction of C Stevens underscore Jerno on Twitter and uh, FormulaSpy.com for my written work. Excellent. And that just leaves us with Downforce Radio's Tim Top Meister, Alex Goldschmidt. Well, for those that do follow me on Twitter, it's uh, at Alex underscore G1977. You can find some of my published work on um, touringcars.net, where I will be heading to the DTM finale this coming weekend at Hoffenheim. So looking forward to a little road trip. So be passing through some uh, usual sites like Nürburgring, Spa, Zolder, and maybe even Zandvoort on the way back standard we're all doing that and why not follow me at spannersready.com uh, at spannersready on twitter join the facebook page at missed apex podcast on facebook and until next time wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory last forever this was missed apex Spanners Ready Media can provide a range of audio production services, all recorded and produced in a dedicated studio facility. We can provide voiceover artists with a warm and professional tone in British and American accents. You can save time on revisions by calling in live to the studio via Skype to listen to your script being recorded. No more sending files backwards and forwards for days on end over a small mispronounced word. No, no. That's word, dummy. Ah, yes. Let me try again, over a small, mispronounced word. There, now you know your final file will be perfect. We also provide start-to-finish podcasting services. Anything you need to produce a podcast, we can provide, from consulting to full production. Our studio can record your podcast via Skype and even broadcast your podcast live with a chat room for your fans. We'll tell you everything you need to get going. Why not visit www.spannersready.com forward slash hire us to see our full range of podcasting services. Hope to hear from you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.